What's up, guys? Four Corners back with another episode. I am your host, Ray. You can find me online at Rayvon Hackshaw. We're joined this week by uh, an old favorite, a veteran of the uh, podcast injury in the Nuggets in <laughs> industry, I should say, uh, in the Nuggets universe, Miroslav Chuk. What's going on? What's up, Ray? Good to have you. Good to have you. How is um, so? How is Serbian spring treating you? Oh, actually, this is the first beautiful uh, weekend of the year. And I know that Adam thinks that the week has already begun on Sunday, but actually it starts tomorrow. Uh, getting aside, <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful weekend. We had uh, kind of a beautiful weekend last time as well, but this one was really like, I don't know what's that like, like probably like something like 80, 85 degrees here oh, in Fahrenheit. So it's, it's really, it's really wonderful. I saw that, that uh, you had snow in Denver a couple of days ago and I was like, oh yes. man, <laughs> I yes. don't miss that. Although we did have some snow like three or four weeks ago, probably like three weeks ago. It was a crazy, crazy week of like uh, summer and then winter and then summer and then winter again in a, in a span of one one week but uh, now it looks like we are in the in the safe at the moment i don't feel safe is what i would say we we've had uh we had our warm stretch we had a few 70 80 degree days so they were really nice and then this week uh as you mentioned winter is back we got snow lows in the 20s highs in the 40s whatever you know sometimes 30s but it's it's fine the sun's gonna be here before we know it you, you do have the nuggets outside. to warm you up so what you're gonna do yeah yeah I, i'm cozy i'm comfortable i'm, I'm vibing with where we are uh and i'm sure another vibesman as well peter buckets since 88 all the way from new orleans what's going on i guess you, you're already in summer yeah yeah i'm staying warm over here um enjoying the uh 3-0 lead as we currently speak but uh you know we talk a lot about how we hope we can just get to the playoffs full health, not injured. Uh, unfortunately, I pulled a muscle on my back yesterday, so I'm injured going into the playoffs. But, uh, you know, it's a game time decision, and uh, luckily I've got some Serbian in my blood. So I'm going to play through it. Uh, I might just be a decoy <laughs> in the corner. So, uh, you know, if you guys get double teamed, pass me the rock. I think I can still knock it down. Fair enough. I, I'm i going to try to stay healthy, man. I, I feel like I might be the last one left. <laughs> But uh, good to have you. Good to have you for sure. So to um, kind of jump into it a bit, I mean, Denver Nuggets, Minnesota Timberwolves, um, up 3-0 for the first time in the Malone-Jokic era. I mean, I have to say, I mean, just for starters, that I feel like this is a new experience for everyone in, in the community as far as like how we've handle being you know being a front runner being the uh better team intrinsically and do you feel weird about it like is it is it is it just me that i'm just like oh this is i've, I've never been here before um peter well i mean yes we haven't been here before that's a fact but uh, I'm not that surprised at how this is playing out because I think that the, the Nuggets 
everybody's bought in, right? I mean, everybody that plays minutes has pretty much bought into their role. I don't know if there's a single player in the rotation that's unhappy. I mean, I know Christian Brown was probably confused earlier why he was getting pulled here and there, but it seems like he's finally earned Malone's trust, you know, at least for a handful of minutes per game. You know, we don't need to reopen the whole can of worms, but the only guy that really wasn't happy was Bones, so they they got rid of him because they had bigger goals. So I, I think the team's in a good space, and, like, the thing I've really noticed the most, you know, big picture out of these three games is that I really don't feel like the Nuggets are all that much more talented than the Timberwolves. I feel like the talent is pretty similar. I just think that the Nuggets' chemistry is so much better. You know, they're just – they really know where each other are you know, pass the ball, know they're going to get it back. The Timberwolves have a lot more like, I got to win the game by myself, guys. And the Nuggets guys come in, and it just doesn't feel like they have the same pressure when the role guys get swung the ball. If they're open, they shoot it. If not, they keep it moving. And they're just playing beautiful basketball right now. That's that's an interesting I, – I, like, on some level, I agree. On some level, I'm like, I don't know. But, uh, Miroslav, I'm kind of curious how you feel – about the Nuggets, about Jokic going into this series where I think for the first time in a long time, Denver is not only the front runner, but also following through as the dominant team. Yeah, well, what Peter just said, that the disparity in quality is, is not so big between the two game, the two teams. Think about it is, is that you have Anthony Edwards, who is by far the best player in the Minnesota Timberwolves, and he he was a number one pick, what like five years ago, six years ago, I, two yeah. years ago. He's probably the best first round pick in a while. I mean, a number one pick in a while. I, I don't remember, like since Anthony Davis. Probably, I'm not saying that the other guys that were picked at number one after him will not be better at him uh, than him at some point. But right now, I don't think there's any number one pick in the last five, six years that's better than Anthony. Um, uh, and uh, he's not ready. He's not good enough to carry the team through the playoffs. He is still too raw. He, he still doesn't know all about basketball, unlike Nikola Jokic, unlike Jamal Murray. What we are seeing from Jamal Murray right now is very impressive to me as a, as a whole basketball player. He is a much better player, basketball player now than three years ago, even though his physique might not be at his peak level from three years ago, but I feel he is a much, much more mature player now than three years ago. And on the other side, you have Carl Anthony Towns, who is just a horrible superstar. I mean, he is so supremely talented, like he always pushes the narrative of him being the best shooting big of all time, even though, you know, Dirk Nowitzki existed. But on the other side, he reads the game so badly. It's, it's, it's really, I mean, when, when you look, when we speak about Nikola Jokic and his matchup against the, the Timberwolves, it was supposed to be the, the most difficult matchup for Nikola because the Timberwolves can can put two seven-footers on Nikola and try to defend him that way. And we saw at, at first it was Cat guarding Nikola and he couldn't do anything against him. So Gobert needed to double every time. 
And then, of course, you have Michael Porter free, you have Jamal Murray free, KCP free, or you have Aaron Gordon in the dunker spot. And after that, they tried with, with Gobert, and that was actually a, a better way to, to guard Nicola. But the problem he, here is that now Cat is supposed to be the, the help defender, and he has no idea how to do that. So, yeah, I, I think, I think this, this should be the last season for Carl Anthony Towns on the Timberwolves. And uh, dealing him would be the only way I see realistically of them being significantly better next season. Uh, Ray, if I may, I actually want to follow up on the Towns thing because I want to ask you guys this kind of an impossible question, but I, I still think it's interesting to, to go through. Do you guys think this is mostly on Towns for not figuring out the nuances of the game? Or do you guys look at the Timberwolves organization and say they're just bad at developing players? Because I feel like we've heard that a lot throughout our years of watching basketball. It's like, oh, if that guy would have just went to the Spurs, they would have taught him like the right habits. You know, how much do you put on the, the Wolves versus how much do you put on him? Well, one thing I would say is that when I watch these games, it doesn't feel to me, you know, talking about Carl Anthony Towns as a superstar or being a good or bad superstar, that they even see him in that way, that they're using him in that way. And some of it, I think, is on him that the few times I've seen they uh, try to play through him in the elbow as sort of uh, offensive fulcrum, I think he struggles a lot reacting to double teams and finding the open man and uh, really in his ability to take advantage of smaller players and kind of get to the rim. Uh, I think about Jeff Green actually in this series as a guy who's done a great job, not in anything like out of the ordinary or totally special, but just in recognizing the weaknesses of Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert's game, both in terms of just staying home, you know, and, and if you, uh, Carl doesn't really want to get, either want to or have the comfortability in the post to get to the rim in the way he wants to. And I think for Rudy Gobert, uh, he's also so dependent on getting to very specific spots that are happen to be two feet from the basket that I think uh, Jeff has done an excellent job in, in really um, as that second player whether it's uh, the guy next to Aaron or the guy next to Jokic, exposing them, for, for lack of a better term, in how they can play together. So, Miroslav, to your point, I think it's hard for them to... You're not going to get all those first-round picks back for Rudy Gobert. And I don't think they want to move on from Anthony Edwards, especially when it really feels like it's his team, that Anthony is kind of taking on a bigger responsibility. Um, he honestly has had a great series in terms of is he's getting to the rim whenever he feels like it both as a cutter and off the dribble uh and getting to his spots and, and i commend him for that but yeah i i don't feel like if a team can be greater than the sum of its parts the the wolves right now to me feel like a team that is less than the sum of their parts because of their inability to sort of optimize cat in that way. Listen, Whereas, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I love to dunk on, on Rudy Gobert because he's super lame and it, it makes me happy to, to dunk on him. But honestly, mm -hmm. I, I believe that Rudy Gobert is a more complete basketball player comparing to Carl Anthony Towns. Because Rudy Gobert, first of all, knows 
what he's doing on defense. He's supremely intelligent on defense. And on the other hand, he knows to play his role on offense. He's pretty limited offensively, but he never steps out of his role. He's shooting like 80% throughout his career because he's never taking any bad shots. He's like 10% like from uh, uh, three feet or above from the rim <laughs> career-wise, but he has like, like 20 shots total <laughs> in his career. Yeah. I, really, I really feel that, that Minnesota would be smart to keep Gobert and move on from Cat and not vice versa. Because I don't see them going going uh, forward with with Cat at all, and yes, and I, I agree that probably Cat has more value on the trade market as well, because the the Gobert experiment failed miserably. But on the other hand, I mean Gobert, we've seen what what uh, Mike Conley did with Gobert in the last month of season or so, because he needs a really good point guard. To be able to play good basketball in his role so so yeah if they can keep uh, uh, Mike and and just move from from Gobert I don't, I'm not saying they will be like a, a championship uh, front runner or something like that but this is ridiculous I mean I don't think they could beat a single playoff team right now with this roster well you know what's interesting is you, you make a fascinating point, Miroslav, to say that Gobert is a more complete player with Towns. I think I agree with you. I mean, yeah, the, the points per game numbers aren't close, but Rudy's never been a scorer, right? So I think what's interesting is when you when you look at the surface and you look at just people that maybe casually follow the Wolves or don't watch them that much, you go, they made a big deal over the summer to get Gobert. The record isn't that good. Oh, Gobert must be a deployment. He's not that good. When in reality, I just think the type of player he is, is he's such a specific player that he's much more of a, like, if we need one more missing piece, like, he could be that guy that puts us over the top, right? He would make much more sense on a team that's pretty much set, good to go, one through four. Like, if he would have went to the Raptors or the Thunder, those are, like, two teams I can think of off the top of my head that are pretty competent teams that really need a center. He would be good there. Gobert was good on the Jazz. They had the best record in the West, right? So Rudy Gobert isn't a bum. He's just a very specific player that went to a team that wasn't ready to win, right? I mean, Miroslav, you talked about he's calling out stuff on defense. The rest of the team doesn't know what the hell they're doing on that end. So everybody seems to blame Rudy when it's like he just needs everybody else to play good team ball and fit in, and then he can help you. But he can't. he's not a savior type piece that's going to come in and fix everything. He's never been that type of player. Yes, yeah. and, and people are now laughing at him because, you know, Nikola Jokic is scoring on him one-on-one. Nikola is scoring on everybody one-on-one. Everybody. I mean, Gobert is really playing good defense, guys. He, his defense is awesome. It's just not enough because great offense always beats great defense, and that's it. Mm-hmm. He did make like a 13-foot turnaround jumper. In this, thing, yeah, you know, <laughs> it it was one of the sharpest like ooh's I saw from the crowd. I, I felt like was um, him making any shot outside of two feet. I think is is really impressive to people. So yeah, I, I think overall, you know, Rudy has played well relative to the expectations that we have for him. Um, and, and to your point about being complete, I think if you're a center or like a, a big man in the NBA and you just can't dominate in the post. You're not a complete player. 
And I think that's that's his biggest issue at the moment. Do you guys feel like the referee in this in this series has been? I feel like it's been consistent, but I feel like throughout each game, every game has been consistently foul involved, is what I'll say. You know, going into the into the playoffs, we kind of expect refereeing to be a little bit more lax to let players play a little bit more do you is there something that stands out to you guys as a reason for just how many fouls are being called in these games so far or does denver or both sides just fouling a lot i think it's both i mean i think the i think when a team is down they get frustrated and so when you get frustrated, you just kind of reach more, you hack more, you, you, you make more risk plays. And I, I just think both teams are like, I think, well, I think this Minnesota, especially they just play kind of a clunky style. Right. I mean, if Gobert is on the floor, you're not going to have great spacing. Um, there's, there's a lot of rebounds to be had in the series. You know, there's been a lot of over the back calls. So, you know, the playoffs are more physical. I think that for the first round, it always just takes a lot of the players to a little bit of time to get adjusted to the physicality of it again. So I think sometimes the refs let stuff go, but if it gets to a point where it's getting too physical, they start calling more fouls again. I mean, I haven't really had a huge problem with with the foul disparity, mostly because the Nuggets are still winning. So I'm I'm re- I'm I'm really bad at uh, assessing the the level of aggression of the teams. I'm not sure if the teams are much more aggressive, and then the refs have the same you know, way of refereeing like in the regular season. So this is why everybody's in foul trouble all the time. Or they just started calling more fouls for some reason. Because it's such such a stark difference between between the regular season and, and playoffs right now. I feel like I was being scammed for four months of regular season with a completely different kind of sport. And now I have to recalibrate everything to understand what's actually going on on the court, you know, because Nikola Nikola was never in foul trouble outside of the that Lakers series, and now he has like how many fourteen fouls in three games, and like I'm like what? <laughs> yeah. Out of possible eighteen, like like what what's going on? And and he's deliberately not trying to to get into foul trouble still, because Minnesota is not strong enough so that he would need to be super physical and try to stop the, stop them that way so it's it's really it's really strange but at least nobody is kicking anybody's nuts in this series so so i guess that's later we, we, we dodged the bullet there yeah for now <laughs> yeah I, I do feel like i mean i expect an increase in intensity and an increase in physicality and i feel like the players i see that a little bit nothing out of the ordinary just normal playoff sort of intensity and i'm wondering if the refereeing is going to dial it back a little bit maybe down the stretch maybe in this fourth game or early in the next series that um we start to have less of an issue with this and maybe the games get a little bit more i don't know normalized in that way right but um, um one thing to add before we move on i don't think i've made this point before but 
you know, feel free to disagree. I, th- I actually think Nikola Jokic is a pretty difficult player to officiate. And the reason is so many guys, whether they're bigs or not, when they attack the basket, they go flying. They go flailing, right? Jokic, he gets hit on the arm a lot. He does. But I think oftentimes he's so good at staying balanced that just because his arm moves and he doesn't go flying, the ref doesn't think it affected the shot that much, right? It clearly affects the shot at least a fraction, right? At least a tiny bit. Oftentimes he still makes it. You know, we all think he should be getting and ones. He's running down the court, you know, saying I was hacked. But I feel like in the playoffs, the refs are just kind of not going to call a foul unless it's super obvious. So I think we've kind of been conditioned to feel like Jokic gets fouled every time. And it really just comes to down to like, what is the level of a foul, right? Because it's been different every game. I've been watching the whole playoffs. I don't know if you guys agree with this, but it seems like some games, like they're just not calling anything. In other games, like I was just watching Knicks-Cavs, both teams were in the penalty like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I was like, they're just calling everything now? Okay, so you just kind of kind of figure it out, you know, with what efficient crew you have. Yeah it's, yeah, it's very uneven. And what you said about Nicola not getting calls because it doesn't look like he's fouled. I, I would just recall the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi line, like, don't trust your eyes. They deceive you. Referees, please listen. You can hear the foul. You don't need to see it. You can hear the flesh banging on flesh. It's really simple. Like, if you hear it, it's there. Yeah, but I agree. It's, it is it is difficult if they're just using one one sense instead of both of them. Yeah, I think Jamal as well is also a different, like a, a challenging player to cover in that way because he is so... You know, the way he dominates a game is by making, creating, you know, even small amounts of space. You know, he reminds me of, uh, I'm not, not full comparison, but he reminds me of Melo in this way and that he would get open in a phone booth. You know what I mean? And so he creates so many shots for himself with um, with momentum and, and changing those sorts of things and creating like footwork opportunities for himself that I think he doesn't like sell as much contact as I think he otherwise could. Um, although I, he did get like an off ball foul in this third game that where uh, I think Ryan Anderson comes by and like, I don't know, taps him on the chest, something like that. And Jamal just falls <laughs> and he got that one. But um, yeah, I, <laughs> to, to, to your point, I think it's a similar, I have a similar sense of things that it is very inconsistent. And so I, and wondering and kind of waiting for that normalization across the playoff games in general to, to see some consistency in the foul calls. Um, but to kind of talk about Jamal for a bit, so three years it's been, basically, since he's been in the playoffs and been active and, and been able to remind us what he can do on the court in this setting. And I feel like he has made a, a big statement in terms of, getting that bubble Murray label off of his back. Uh, Miroslav, I'll start with you. How how do you look at his performances so far relative to your expectations and relative to where you think Jamal can go as a playoff basketball player? I'll be honest, before the playoffs started, 
Jamal was the guy I was I was having the least faith in to to meet the expectations because there there's the biggest gap between his floor and his ceiling at least it looked like that you know during that last month of regular season and um, i was actually talking to 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 one of the credentials guys uh, just before the playoffs started and we were both like i don't know what to expect from this guy i mean he might be michael jordan and he he also could could play well like every, every fifth game that's that's the the problem we we were facing there uh, what we did find from him is a, a, a very serious approach to games. I'm really, really happy with the way he performed so far. But we need to be honest that Minnesota is probably the best possible matchup for him. Like if they were playing the Thunder, that would be hell for, for him. Thunder would be really, really stressful for him. Unlike Nikola Jokic, who would have a landslide every every game for sure. So I'm actually happy that he got this soft start against Minnesota, so he can he he could really really uh, um, uh, feel himself right. And you know we'll we'll probably talk a bit about Phoenix uh, later on. I'm not sure that Phoenix is such a horrible matchup for him as well i mean we'll see we'll see but this this is this is pretty good i don't think anthony edwards is a is a great defender even though he's pretty big and of course Conley is too small for jamal so i think he used the opportunity he got against uh against the timberwolves and uh, i'm really happy with what we saw so far yeah, I mean, I think uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker has kind of been the guy I've seen they want to put on him and yeah, found that matchup the most comfortable. But I think even then, you know, that's not the worst of what he'll see in the playoffs for sure. And I feel like... So, Peter, I'll ask you this. I Jamal's been able to dominate by being hyper aggressive i think throughout this series that at every opportunity he is if he's open he's shooting if he's not open he's gonna attack anyway if he feels like the matchup is comfortable enough i feel like there are some cases where the team can rely on that a lot and that can be productive but at the same time in the few instances where they've looked out of rhythm, where they have had more turnovers, where they have sort of um, fallen out of it in that way, they, I guess what I'll say is this, do you feel like Jamal's shot profile leads the team to get away from playing together at times? And if so, is that even a problem, I think in a playoff context? I think that he's trying to see what the defense, how they're playing him, and then kind of playing accordingly because 
you know, he went off in game two. And then in game three, it felt like a much more uh, collective approach from everybody. So I honestly think we, this is this is what the problem with the playoffs is, is like, yeah, you want to be playing your best ball. I just personally don't think that sweeping the Timberwolves like means anything going forward. I, I just think it's a very slow team, and I think Jamal can do whatever he wants. So he's playing well. It's definitely good to get a rhythm. I'm not saying like I wish the Nuggets were struggling with in this series, but I just don't think that him, you know, whether he's deciding to look for his own offense or looking for his teammates, really has all that much to do with how they're going to do going forward. But I do think it's good to know that he can reach back and give you 40. Like we all thought he could. Right. But I mean, in game two, the, you know, Kenny Smith pointed this out right after the game. He's like, I don't know what the Timberwolves are doing playing drop against Jamal Murray. Like <laughs> he's going to torch you. And he did. So, you know, I, I'm confident in how he's navigating between, you know, looking for his own stuff versus looking for the rest of the team. You know, and I mean, both you guys have hit on this point for years. Like, the best thing to ever happen to Jamal Murray is that he gets to play with Nikola Jokic, right? So, yeah, he might not have those gaudy scoring numbers the way the other guards in the West do, but that's also because, like, he's not going to be a team's main focus on stopping. And Nikola being such a good passer and having the ball out of the high post a lot, you know, leaves the lane open for all the, the cutting and everything else going on, so... I think he's got a really good balance going right now. Cool. Cool. I mean, I think that's hopefully he does. I, I think about, you know, I imagine it'll be more of a question in other matchups. Um, so to kind of uh, maybe transition to that a little bit, Miroslav, how do you feel about Jamal's prospects in terms of translating his performances so far? into just future matchups in general and what seems to be most likely uh, versus the Suns? You know, <clears throat> Jamal has two modes of, of playing. The one we like the most when he is all in in the read and react basketball, playing together with Nicola, but also playing with everybody else. And then you have that uh, Jamal mode when he's forcing a lot and, you know, if he's hot, that's awesome because he'll score 25 points in a quarter and that's perfectly fine. But if he's not uh, hot, then he can struggle and he can struggle a lot. And usually when he struggles, it's against, you know, the elite defenders on the other side, which he didn't face against Minnesota for sure. But I don't know, man. I mean, how many elite guard defenders do we expect nuggets to face to the to the end of this uh, playoffs in the west at least right. we'll, we'll talk about about the finals when, when it we go there if we go there but i mean even even next round against phoenix i don't see a guy that will be horrific for jamal they don't have michael bridges anymore so i don't know who they're putting on jamal is it, you know, Chris Paul on his absolutely last legs? Or is it Devin Booker? I don't know, man. I mean, for sure, it will not be Durant. So I don't know, what, know uh, who, who should be the biggest uh, fear factor for Jamal's play. So I think he has stuff uh, laid out pretty, pretty well 
for him and of course for the Nuggets as a whole. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I'm not particularly afraid of Chris Paul or Devin Booker in the sense that, you know, say you do put Devin Booker on Jamal, Maybe I think Tory he's probably Craig? the better. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, and, and I don't want to take anything away from Tory. I love Tory. He, I think he's a great player in this league. But uh, whatever you do, whether it is Tory, whether it's uh, Devin, Chris Paul has to guard someone. And uh, even if it's just Kentavious Caldwell Pope, KCP is so fast. You know, I think there's a very simple solution for him if you want to outplay Chris Paul is just getting out and run. And I think that's something he's been able to do consistently all year. And I would expect him to continue to do so. So to your point, I do feel like maybe hypothetically there is some team out there that can, if you can challenge them all, and make him less efficient than he wants to be. Um, I think sometimes even other nuggets, because they just get in that rhythm of, okay, we're doing iso ball now, it just kind of leads to more of that, and that can spiral a little bit, can lead to turnovers a little bit, and I think those turnovers are really what hurts Denver more than anything else. I don't know if that's going to happen <laughs> in the, 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 the Sun series, so... Um, yeah, it's a shame, I think, for the Clippers, really, that they had as much injury trouble as they did, because otherwise I felt like that series might have been a little bit more interesting than it has been so far. Yeah, and, and what Peter mentioned about drop coverage against Jamal, I don't think they wanted to guard him for, for a big stretch in drop. I think Chris Finch is coaching his ass off in this series, but his roster is just not good enough. He's trying to mix a lot of things up we've seen some zone which is a bad idea we've seen you know uh, up at the level drop all, all kinds of coverages really and uh, many different lineups but it's just there the, the, the are no no good solutions for for minnesota i would be shocked I, I i'm gonna be hot here i'm gonna be shocked if nuggets do not sweep them tonight you know it, it's interesting like I am always curious to know what a coach's thought process is when he goes zone against the Nuggets. To me, the only logical, like, acceptable answer is if you have somebody in foul trouble that you're trying to hide. But if, as long as we've been watching the Nuggets, every time a team goes zone, Jokic is just, like, even easier for him, right? He just goes to the free throw line, catches the ball, turns around, and now he's got, like, three options. Wide open, shoot it take a dribble or two and hit his floater or find somebody else wide open. Like we'll score two, three times in a row. And if a team isn't out of the zone by then, I'm just like, what are you guys doing? Jokic is getting whatever he wants. And even without Jokic, we've seen some possessions with Jokic on the bench where Jamal was, was demolishing them in, in the zone. I was really impressed with that. So that's, that's a really big sign of maturity to me. That Jamal was like a zone <laughs> sweet, <laughs> just just killing them from yeah. the, on the mid range. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, for especially for playoff basketball, anytime you're going to go to a zone, I think you have to consider a certain amount of chaos that you're trying to cause, uh, discomfort, uh, getting guys out of their sort of um, places and spaces that they're normally operating in. And I think to get back to it. 
Minnesota doesn't necessarily have the the size, the athleticism, the uh, physicality on the defensive end, uh, and I think there's like the intelligence, um, not from an IQ perspective, just from a basketball sense of how to make Jokic, I can't even say struggle, but make him think a little bit, just that half second that that might give you a chance to uh, slow the Nuggets down. So Good luck. Good luck indeed. Now, see, I, uh, I just feel like there's two main reasons to go to a zone, right? I mean, I, I already mentioned the foul trouble piece, but two besides that. If you're playing a team that has an extremely quick guard that you can't guard one-on-one, like De'Aaron Fox, a lot of those guys mm-hmm. struggle against zones because they're used to just beating man defenses and guys are have their head turned. But in a zone, you, you can't beat them like that. Or if you're playing a team that just can't shoot and you can pack the paint. Well, guess what? Denver almost always has lineups where everybody can shoot. So it really just never makes sense to go to a zone against Denver unless you're just getting carved up in the man-to-man and you just need to try something new. Yeah, and that's, I mean, if I'm hypothetically in that space, that's what I would do. I would say, like, a 1-3-1, go, like, go blitz people, see what you can do. I don't know. Try something, because at this point, if you're Minnesota, you're down 3-0. So, I mean, I'm not sure what else you have left to do. Um, I know Anthony Edwards is probably going to come tonight ready to play, and he's going to... I don't gamble, but if there's a, a 35 point under over, I'm probably taking the over. Um, not because I think he's going to be super efficient, even, but I think he is their best option so far as far as consistent offense in that way. So, he's a very, very talented gunner for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's bigger than almost any guard he's going to face. And so I think that makes getting to the rim, drawing fouls really easy for him. And if teams are just going to give him open threes, he's talented enough to make them. So I am both like impressed, but also sucks to suck that you're in the situation, Anthony Edwards. He, he needs to work on his passing game too. I mean, he is yeah. lacking a lot there. Yeah, if he's going to be the main ball handler, I think for him that next level of evolution is going to be how do you leverage your size, your athleticism, your talent to make things easier for other people. Uh, because a lot of Minnesota's offense is just not not easy, for sure. Um, before we like full on talk about the Suns matchup, uh, Aaron Gordon. I feel like this has been an interesting series for him in terms of him being in a new role in general, as far as playing the five, kind of being that core front court player for the bench unit. Uh, Peter, I'm kind of curious how you would grade him so far and grade that unit so far in, in terms of how they're able to, you know, rebound, how they've been able to uh, really adapt to this sort of new form. I think it's been I think it's been solid. You know, we hadn't seen it a whole lot in the regular season. Um I believe we might have seen it in one game when Jokic was in like major foul trouble and they brought back uh, Aaron to play some five and it went well. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I I guess I don't have any major takeaways on this. I just feel like they've they've survived the non-Jokic miss, which is good. Um, once we play better competition, the pressure is going to be on a little more. I've, I've really been impressed with all of our bench players in, in this series. You know, Bruce Brown's been good. 
Christian Brown's been fine. And, uh, you know, I think Malone realized I need to go mostly defense off the bench and then, you know, just hope that our stars can carry us. And Michael Porter has shown up in this series just like I expected he would. So, you know, he had that huge fourth quarter the other night when uh, Jokic was in foul trouble and Murray was on the bench and Porter kind of carried us to open that fourth. Um, You know, that was really good to see. I think, you know, when Malone moves Mike to the four, it just opened. It makes his. It's easier for him to score, and it's easier for the whole team to to get good shots. So, I think Aaron at the five, it works. You know, you don't want to do it too much. Um, you know, he, obviously he's a different player than Draymond Green. That's like remember, you know, in their heyday, the Warriors would go Draymond at the five, and everybody talked about how great it was. It was a good lineup, but they didn't do it all game long, right? They only did it for for certain stretches, and I think the Nuggets have found similar success you know being able to go to that my biggest concern with gordon is like he's been in foul trouble every single game so you know some of those were bad luck fouls i mean one was really stupid you know, jeff green missed a dunk and then so gordon was going for the rebound and was like right on gobert's back i was mad at jeff for that not aaron so that's you know you're gonna have random bad luck plays like that but i, I just really hope that aaron can avoid fouls in the next series because that's that's the series where we're really going to need him to play well i, I kind of feel like he's the key to the next series Mm-hmm. Uh, Miroslav, how high are you on, on the Aaron Gordon at the five minutes so far? Yeah, the thing is, during this season, I was pretty critical of, of Michael Malone in many different situations. And in hindsight, it was pretty silly because they were the number one seed after all. But I have to say, Michael Malone is, is coaching this series very well. He he could have really easily, you know, select elected to go with uh, Jordan at the five, uh, at the bench, you know, because Minnesota is always huge. You know, when I see Gordon playing against Cat in the in the starting starting lineups, it's not a big deal because Cat is not really a center. I mean, he he cannot back Bruce Brown, let alone. Uh, uh, Aaron Gordon uh, with his back to the uh, back to the basket uh, game. So when you see you know Gobert playing with the bench or Cat playing with the bench, he's stuck with with Aaron Gordon as a backup five. And and kudos to Michael Malone for that because he could have gone in a different direction. I'm really impressed by the way uh, that Aaron and and Jeff Green have been playing together. Because it's a it's a tough uh, physical matchup, and not not only they they survive those minutes. I believe non-Jokic minutes in this series are almost the same like the Jokic minutes, which is super impressive. And it also speaks about the pitiful bench that Minnesota has, with two guys missing. We need to, yeah. to be honest about that. For sure. I mean. I'm I'm really high on Nazareed. I love that guy, and of course, uh, the the Jaden McDaniels is their best uh, defender at the pre- on the perimeter. So yeah, yeah, it it really speaks both about uh, a great play from the Nuggets, but also disgustingly bad play from from uh, the Minnesota bench. That's fair. Um, yeah, but, biggest... but Eric Gordon, yeah. He's doing everything he's supposed to do. Yes, he's in foul trouble. 
obviously because he 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 has uh, so so much uh, size he's giving up at all times but i think uh, i think it's it's quite impressive and I, and i like the dj minutes as well we saw him for quite like like 6 minutes in game 1 i believe and he was really good <laughs> back then i should have just figured out that minnesota bench is just cut off on and that's the reason dj is so dominant against them you know Miroslav, yeah. i'm glad you said that because he that you said that the, the uh the non jokic bet been almost as good you know you you guys can call me out if you think this is a crazy take but just for this series specifically i've actually been more like nervous when murray's out of the game than when jokic is out of the game and mostly that's just because i can't stand bruce brown playing point guard I mean, he just has so many bad, careless turnovers because he's only got one speed. You know, he's good in transition, but when, like, there's a set defense and he's got the ball up top, I'm just like, oh, no, where's his possession going? Yeah, he's made a lot of his floaters recently, and that's good because he likes them a lot. So, um, Yes, yeah, so and Jabal get- was playing a lot of minutes together with Jokic. We didn't see... Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't check, but I don't think there were, were many minutes with Jamal and without Jokic. And I think that's smart. I like the, the, the Aaron Gordon KCP stagger, for instance. That looks really good because the defense is, is awesome there. Mm. So they, these guys don't need to play a lot of uh, you know, half-court offense at all. It's just running all, all the time. Yeah, as long as they're defending well, they are getting out in transition and getting those easy opportunities. And I think that's... That's been really helpful for them. Um, the one thing I'm thinking about with Aaron Gordon at the five and just what I watch is is that it just seems like – so there's – this is a double-edged sword. He hasn't played at all really this season, this regular season as far – he doesn't have a lot of minutes at that spot. And so I think for other teams, you don't have that opportunity to scout the Nuggets and say, okay, this is what they like to do in these certain situations, and we should be preparing for that. At the same time, it doesn't seem like Denver has that those reps in either. That um, I, I think part of why Aaron is so prone to fouling right now is that he's just in a new position that he isn't super comfortable with how do I defend as a smaller big without fouling? And how do I stay out of foul trouble? How do I operate offensively in that fulcrum role uh, that Denver likes to use for its centers and, and be consistent in that way? So I wonder if, you know, as the, season, as the series go on, that maybe he'll get better in that context. And then by round two, round three, that we're not seeing Aaron on the same level. Fingers crossed, in the same level of foul, tr- foul trouble. But um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, overall, I'm optimistic. I think he's he's doing a good job. He's playing the defense. I think that's the most important thing. He's gotten some big rebounds. Uh, I think that's the second most important thing in where Minnesota has looked good, <laughs> I'll say, is when they're winning the rebound battle against Denver. They've had some instances of that. So to actually, let's take a break real quick. And then on the other side, we will take a deeper dive into the Suns matchup. And we are back. So the Nuggets are up 3-0. I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, but I'm 
confident, I'll say, you know, with a little knock on wood that the Nuggets are going to win this series. The In the similar half of the bracket in the Western Conference, the Suns and Clippers. Uh, Phoenix is leading 3-1 with, uh, unfortunately, some really poor injury luck for Los Angeles. How So, Peter, I'll, I'll start with you for this. Outside of the basketball in and of itself, from a mental and emotional perspective, how excited for you for this series are you, and how important do you feel like it is uh, when you are thinking about the Nuggets story? How meaningful do you think this matchup is going to be? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's huge. You know, I wasn't, I was really rooting for the Durant trade not to go through, but. You know, once it happened, I realized that the path was going to be a lot harder. Um, the Suns have been kind of a mixed bag since trade. They didn't lose a game in the regular season uh, with Durant in the lineup. They lost game one, and then they've won every game since. Obviously, Kawhi's out now. But uh, uh, I think it's a good test. I, I think both teams are really good. I think the Suns are the more top-heavy. The Nuggets have a little more depth. Um. The most interesting thing to me, though, that I've noticed about the Suns' play style is, I just looked it up. Durant was averaging 18 shots per game in Brooklyn, and he's down to 16 in Phoenix, which is not a huge difference. But but the eye test back that up. I don't know how much Suns you guys have watched, but there's definitely a lot of possessions where I feel like he just doesn't even get the ball. So I don't know if that's by design, if Ty Lue was doing that, or if the the Suns just haven't quite figured out, like, hey, we've got one of the best scores of all time on our team. We should probably get him the ball more. Um, because in the playoffs, it, it's been even more, more drastic. He averaged 20 shots a game in the playoffs last year for Brooklyn, and he's right around 16 again for the Suns. So, again, they're not struggling in that series, but I'm just going to be interested to see, like, how involved – is Durant going to be because we've seen him be able to carry teams in the playoffs. They haven't needed it this round, but if, if that means more shots for Booker, Paul and Aiden, I'm all for it. That's fair. Cause Durant's still uh, the best player by a mile on that team. We agree with that, right? Yeah, I would say so. Thing about the Suns is you want to play them this year and not next year. I think yeah. they have a potential to be much better next year when they fill out the roster a bit better. I mean, Chris Paul is already pretty bad, and him being worse next year might not be a huge, huge deal for them. But, you know, they literally cannot survive without Tory Craig right now because Tory Craig is a much better shooter than Joshua Kogi. And, you know, we know how of a shooter Tori really is I mean he can he can have a four four of six game now and then yeah but but uh, uh, in during the length of a series you don't want to 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 rely on his shot that much so basically they're a bare bones team right now and that needs to be needs to be uh, uh, Used. I'm so sad that uh, Russell Westbrook didn't win win the game uh, last night 
because uh, he was outdueling both Durant and and Booker, and that was so sweet to me to watch, because you know everybody was trashing Russ while playing with with uh, LeBron and AD, and that's probably the most stupid collection of superstars in the history of game because you have three superstars and neither of them is a you know a prolific shooter so that that didn't make any sense on the lakers and you see here where russ is surrounded by better shooters on the clippers how 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 much better his game look and i mean he was averaging triple double like two seasons ago in, in washington so <laughs> russ didn't forget to play he's just he's just russ He'll never change, and that's that's it. So enough about Russ. We're talking about Phoenix here. I mean, you Booker will get his, Durant will get his, but can they combine for 120 points every night against the Nuggets? Because that's how much the Nuggets are going to put on them every night. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think Hope for so. Kevin we have a number of defensive options that aren't, you know, I'm not going to say elite, maybe not Kawhi Leonard level, but I feel like between um, Aaron Gordon, um, if he gets switched on to Michael Porter, I'm not too concerned. They've got smaller guys who at least are going to be in the right place, you know, and Bruce Brown and Christian Brown, and maybe even some, we might see a Peyton Watson, Watson appearance. Uh, just the fact that they have those options, I think, says a lot when on the flip side how many options do teams have for Nikola Jokic how many options do teams have for Jamal Murray uh, how many options for team do teams have for Michael Porter to chase all those guys around on the court at the same time you know it's very different I I'm not gonna lie I want to backtrack a little bit and I want to give I've been a, I'm a Russ hater I have been critical of Russ his entire career. I feel like the main reason that Russ has never won a championship is Russ. At the same time, I've been really impressed with the way Ty Lue has, uh, and Russ himself, to some extent, this is also on him, that they've embraced. Well, now he's in a situation where it's just Russ and shooters, and that's always been where he's thrived. But with Kawhi on the floor, with Paul George, the way that Russ embraced being not just an off-ball player, but took on a bigger role, I think particularly as an offensive rebounder, and using that as a way to get him a path to being an effective player on the court along with other superstars, I think is a big realization for him and something that if he had realized... 10 years ago, you know, I, I think Russ would have multiple championships at this point. So I want to commend him for that, even as they get kicked out of the playoffs. But um, yeah, I, I do agree. Like for the Suns, it's nice playing them right now. I think the chemistry is not there. Uh, the, the one thing I would say about next year is that every guy on that roster is going to be a year older. Um, and thinking about Kevin Durant, thinking about Chris Paul in particular, um, Peter, I'll, I'll ask you this. How how long do you think Chris Paul has? I think that's a big question for them. Well, I, I'm honestly surprised that he played as well as he has this year and lately. And 
it hasn't even been great. Like he's, he's definitely declining more, but by adding Durant, you already got Booker who's at all NBA level and, you know, a decent center with Aiden. He just doesn't have to do a whole lot. He basically just has to hit open shots here and there, which he's still capable of doing. So prime Chris Paul is long gone, but he's still got a lot of the tricks and a lot of the, you know, the shots that he knows he can get to and make them. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Nuggets strategy is because the last time we played the Suns in the playoffs, it did not go well. And Chris Paul just torched him from mid range. So I have to think that if the Nuggets can get out of this series in four or five, that they'll have enough rest to where they can be more aggressive on defense, because I feel like they have been more aggressive on defense in this series. You know, obviously it's different personnel, but, I just think that the Suns, you know, they they present a lot, a lot of problems, but you still want to try your best to not let Durant beat you. And, uh, you know, Chris Paul, he, he's going to float, right? He's he's not going to be thirsty, but he's definitely going to have some important shots. Um, hopefully he misses them, but I also kind of feel like, you know, we already touched about on Torrey Craig. One of the reasons Torrey Craig shooting so well this year is because he's always wide open. So, are the Nuggets going to completely help off of Torrey Craig the way other teams have been? Or are they going to say, you know what, Chris Paul isn't as quick as he used to be. I think we can guard him one-on-one and, and actually try to to stick with Torrey. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how the Nuggets approach the Suns from a defensive standpoint. Chris Paul was uh, uh, getting a Russell Westbrook treatment from, from the Clippers in several occasions in this series. He's 5 of 17 for three-point shot in this series, and nobody's guarding him. They're daring him to shoot from the three-point line. And if you can seg, seg away from him and from Tori as well, you you got a stew-cooking guy. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I would really love for Nuggets to dare Chris Paul to shoot I mean, we'll see how it will uh, turn up, but if you just kill the spacing by not guarding him at all, you can live with him making even 40% of the three-point shots. It's not a big deal if you clog the paint for Durant, if you clog the paint for Devin Booker. That, that, that might be... I think Chris Paul is the weakest link in the Phoenix starting five in these playoffs. One thing I would say is, like, Jamal, you know, maybe isn't the most athletic he's ever been. <laughs> there, I, Chris Paul, not exactly. Uh, Put Jamal on him. He's, That's right. He's not, he's, he's not De'Aaron Fox. You know what I mean? He's, he's not um, one of these guys who's going to be, you know, uh, Tyrese Maxey the other day when they were playing Philadelphia. I felt like Tyrese Maxey got wherever he wanted. Chris Paul's not getting by i think in the same way so if you have kcp on gavin booker you've got aaron gordon or michael porter some mix of both of those guys on uh kevin durant and trading away from tory craig i think you're then looking at deandre aiden as this guy who i think a lot of that series is going to hinge around as far as you know is he going to outduel nicole Jokic? probably not that's not likely however can he keep up or I, I think and this might get into some of the like personal kind of relationship dynamics between them is can DeAndre Ayton 
stay engaged and maintain that relationship with the team. I'm kind of curious, Peter, how you feel about this as far as like, can DeAndre put up 20, 10 and 10 or 20, 10 and five each night? I think that's kind of what around what I would expect for them to need at the very least for the Suns to have. I don't know, for the Suns to have a shot, I know they're the favorites and a lot of people like them and all these sorts of things, but for them to do well, um, how much does DeAndre Ayton mean to them? Yeah, he, he means a lot. I mean, he's definitely capable of playing well. He played well in the series two years ago. Um, the Nuggets were just out man in a series. They didn't quite have firepower. So it's going to be interesting to see how he handles a higher leverage situation because even though it's round two again uh the nuggets are a much better team this year than they were two years ago so uh the highest leverage situation he's been in was the finals a couple years ago against Giannis, and he played okay in the first two games and then the rest of the series he just got absolutely smoked right so Giannis is a completely different player than Jokic, but i'm going to be really interested to see how the suns try to defend us because if they don't help him, Jokic is going to go to school on him all day and his confidence is going to get worn down. So I, I don't think that's going to be smart. I think they are going to double Jokic probably earlier than they would like to. He's going to find the open guys, and this series is going to come down to is uh, Michael Porter and KCP hitting their threes. And I have to say I feel pretty pretty good about that. You know, Michael Porter Jr. is one of the best shooters in the world. And uh, KCP won a championship making threes. So I, I like this matchup for us on the offensive side of the ball. You know, as Miroslav said, you know, are the Suns going to be able to score 120 a game? Because the Nuggets are probably scoring that much. Yeah. Michael Porter is shooting four of eight from the three-point line on a bad night. He, yeah. His last <laughs> yeah. game felt like a bad shooting night from him. And he was still four from eight. Insane. And so, like, I think about, like, the uh, who can match who. I imagine Devin Booker or Jamal Murray can kind of go blow for blow as far as, like, offensive production. I imagine, you know, Jokic and Kevin Durant. Uh, I would be interested to see what the narrative is if you start to think about who that third guy is for um, for the Suns. Obviously, it's DeAndre Ayton. For the Nuggets, you know, Michael Porter, I think, is a guy who can... Uh, not only step up, but I think also step up not just in the game, but in the in people's eyes and how people see him and recognize him uh, as one of the elite players in the league. And I think depending on how he does, an all-star you know next year might not be so out of the question, uh, especially when you're talking about that forward spot and you know the narrative of who the best players in the league are. Not to say that. Um, he's going to outdo Duran or, you know, uh, playoff P. But I, I think there is a big opportunity for him to really cement himself in the, the upper tiers of, of the just league recognition and how people see them. So uh, Miroslav, earlier you said that the Suns, you know, are probably a team that next year, is a little bit more dangerous than they are this year. Uh, and we talked a little bit about, you know, Chris Paul's age. I think Kevin Durant is a guy who ages pretty gracefully. Um, but next year, he's due $30 million, talking about Chris Paul now. 
it's not guaranteed. Do you see that as something the Suns might consider, uh, you know, just in terms of like moving on from Chris Paul? And um, do you think they would be better off maybe if they went from Chris Paul to two or three role players making $10 million a year, $15 yeah, million I, a year? I, I believe he only has 15 million promised next year. And that sounds like a pretty sweet deal for a buyout. So yeah, I, I can see them uh, going away from him. Of course, we need to see how the season plays out. I mean, he could still be us. I, I as, Ray, as Peter said, I have no idea how, how he is so good, he, even still. I mean, I'm, I'm low on him. But he is so much better than 99.9% of six foot zero guys at the age of 38 in the history of basketball game. It's just insanity how 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 still good he is. Um, so yeah, I, I could see them uh, 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 moving away from him. On the other hand, Kevin Durant, he is he is extraterrestrial. I mean. That guy doesn't age like anybody else. He's had those gruesome injuries, and he is still like the best bucket out there, which is amazing. I mean, when he lifts from, from the three-point line, what are you going to do? I mean, it's even more scary than Michael Porter because I think he is, he is even taller than MPJ and have definitely longer arms than him. So... So uh, I don't know. I, I think they they still have ways to improve their roster because right now that that's a bare bone uh, that's a bare bone roster. And I have to add one more thing about Devin Booker. I mean, I'm not going to trash Devin Booker because he he really is one of the premier shooting guards in the league. He really is, and I mean he's all NBA guy for sure. But I would like him to see him win a playoff series against a team that has no injury problems. Because we haven't seen that so far at all. Just not against Denver. <laughs> but yeah, it would be an interesting... Um, he's one of those guys, he's had so little, I think, volume, uh, kind of similar to Jamal Murray, of playoff series and experiences that I think people are still... A little ambiguous on where they really want to put him in terms of how he compares to other players in, in, in that sort of thing. So it would be interesting to watch him, yeah, play against a team that is fully healthy, be challenged, and see how he steps up in those moments. I hope it's not against Denver, just in the sense that, you know, I, I'm happy to let him continue to waffle, but against some other team, for sure. Um, before we, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask Miroslav about Aiden specifically his defense. We know that, uh, Gobert is a better team defender and like backline roamer, but for individual defense, do you think Aiden is better Jokic than Gobert is? Or do you think that, uh, it doesn't matter that, that Jokic can still do whatever he wants to get some because I felt like that was a big part of the series two years ago was the Suns were like, you know what, we'll just live with Jokic doing what he, you know, Aiden didn't like stop him, but he did okay. Are, do you think that's wise for them to do that again? 
Aiton is much stronger than Gobert, but he lacks mm-hmm. verticality like Gobert. So I right. think it's a pretty dead even race between those two as as anti-Jokic guys. Um, the reason Phoenix won that series wasn't because they stopped Nikola. It's because right. they played against Facundo Campazzo and, and Austin Rivers. And you know, you know the, the new news we have about Faku, he's not staying at Red Star. He should be playing in Real Madrid next season, uh, just oh, in case okay. you thought he would be returning to NBA. No, he's not. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, I mean, they, they, they've been some, you know, situations where they, they would be doubling Jokic and just daring anybody to shoot from the outside and see how it goes. You know, if I don't know who was. Monte Morris was probably the best Nuggets shooter last year, you know. <laughs> I love Monte, but come on, he's like six one. So yeah, yeah that's 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 uh, that that was the, the. I really want to see them against the against the fully healthy team just to see how they how they cope, even with Kevin Durant, because they they lack depth here. I mean, we saw them against effing uh, Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks are not a good team, but they couldn't do anything because, you know, Luca had all of his horses last year. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, before we kind of close out, so opportunity here to uh, stake your claim. Uh, Peter, I'll start with you. Hypothetically, the Nuggets make it to the second round. Hypothetically, the Suns make it to the second round. How do you have that series going? Uh, do I have to make a prediction? Um, I think it's going to be a long you can, series. You can bow out and just not make a prediction if you want. I would be that. surprised if if either team wins in four or five games, assuming no injuries. That actually would surprise me, like, either way. I, I think they're pretty even teams. Okay. All right. Uh, Miroslav, do you, do you want to wanna lay anything down? On the other on the other side, I would be surprised if the series go to seven. Okay. Because because somebody's gonna win that in in six, and that somebody's gonna be Denver Nuggets. Because I'm with them. I Nuggets in six, baby. I mean, I I mean, uh, saying that Nuggets in six, that's not not uh, too much confidence. I mean, I'm still predicting. They're gonna lose two games, and I'm not sure which two games. Honestly, might be like games three and five, or something like that. Something strange. I don't think yeah. they 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 lose the first two games. I'm. I really hope. I really hope uh, Kawhi will turn into basketball player again and play in in game five over there. Just just so they <laughs> oh, can steal another ship game. Sailed, man. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. I'm, I'm so mad at Kawhi. I mean, come on, man! It's the playoffs. Like, like, come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Do me a Kawhi solid. Leonard. He does just enough to remind us that he's still one of the best players in the NBA, and then he goes and sits down. It, he's just a yeah. part-time part-time player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. it's, it's I, I don't think it was really a hot take by me to say the series. You know, won't be short. I mean, I just feel like you're going to have at least the one game where Jokic is in foul trouble. 
whether it's legit or it's BS. There's going to be a game where he's in foul trouble, and there's going to be a game where Aaron Gordon doesn't show up. Like I, I hate to say that, but you know he he's been known to disappear at times, and I just think hopefully that'll be in the same game, right? Hopefully there's like one game the Nuggets get blown out or something and every other game is good. And then you're going to have the one game where Chris Paul goes like one for eight because he's also shown that he hasn't been consistent anymore. So I kind of feel like one team is going to have at least one dud in this series and all the other games should be good. and should be close. That's fair. Yeah. So um, I think Miroslav and I are down for 6-2 Nuggets. Um, Peter is not making a prediction explicitly. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah. Not not six two. Four two. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm pretty optimistic. I think from like a cumulative talent perspective, um, even if you call the top four as a wash, I, I look at five through eight as a big uh, advantage for Denver. So I, I'm pretty high on on what they can do, assuming all goes well, assuming no injuries, etc. And I hope it's a good series. I hope they're good games. Yeah, also, uh, uh, the reason why I'm uh, optimistic here is if they would lose to the Suns, I would lose it. I would disappear from the from the grid for the next six <laughs> months or so because I we would all be would. so mad. I would be so mad. You, you have them, guys. <laughs> you have all your courses. No excuses. Like, guys, I'm Dang backpacking God. into the Colorado bush this summer. <laughs> So Serbian corner would turn into Serbian hibernation for a while. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, that would be painful. <laughs> Especially just with the way, you know, certain fights have happened in crowds and uh, certain fans. Yeah, there's, there's, there's enough history there that I think the, a loss would be painful just on like a community to community level. So... I don't think that's going to happen. I'm pretty high on the nuggets in this, you know, going forward, but you know, we'll see. Keep an eye out. Stay optimistic. So, um, yeah, I, I, we, I think we can wrap up here. This has been Four Corners. You can find me online at Ravon Hackshaw, Peter online at Bucketsons88, and Miroslav at Miroslav Chuk. You can definitely also check out Serbian Corner. They run most uh, Saturdays, I believe, sometimes Fridays. They, um, yeah, it's Miroslav, Voya. Sometimes other guests, they always do a great job. It's always fun to uh, hear their perspective. So definitely check them out as well on the uh, the DNVR Nuggets uh, YouTube channel and on Nugget Serbia. If you are Serbian, you understand Serbian, definitely check them out. If you're not Serbian like me, um, you know, they're very welcoming. If you want to break out a translator, they, they will they will embrace you with open arms. As you well. could always so, hang in the chat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this has been fun. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Nuggets.